Hi, I'm Aubrey Charette. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Please subscribe for updates and new episodes to this podcast. Also, you can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Join us each Sunday at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Facebook Live. Be sure to like or follow our page while you're there. I really want to begin tonight with a question. I think it's an important one. And uh, in the 9 and 10.30 services this morning, we, we alluded to this question. But I want to begin with this question. And the question is this. Who are we called to be? Who are we called to be? In the year 2020, for such a time as this, who are we called to be? For the single mom who feels alone and afraid and unloved. For the man who has no idea how to be a godly husband and father, who are we called to be? For the student, the student that's searching for truth in a world where truth is so relative, at least it seems to be, who are we called to be? For the one who has been rejected by everyone else in their life, for the one who is addicted, for the one who is a prisoner of lust, for the one who feels completely numb inside, who is it that we are called to be, church, for the widow, devastated, fearful of what the future holds, who are we called to be? For the orphan, for the oppressed, for the one who everyone else pushes to the margin, who are we called to be? For the one who has so much to offer, for the one who has nothing to offer, who are we called to be? For our neighbor right here in our community, for our neighbor halfway around the world, yes, who are we called to be? For the chief of sinners, right? For the one who feels like they are the poster child of what the church opposes, who are we called to be? For those who gather faithfully here each and every Sunday, for those who would never have the courage to set foot onto this property, who are we called to be? Over the past year, uh, our leadership really began to talk specifically about this idea of that very question. Who are we called to be for such a time as this? And so uh, I introduced this statement this morning, but not everybody was in the room with us. And so I'm going to put it on the screen. Uh, This statement really helps us articulate a little bit of who we're called to be. And it's a long statement, and so it's it's not the end-all, be-all, but it's been a process to help us articulate as a church who are we called to be. Now, today, for such a time as this. And so I'm going to read it again. It just simply says this. At HFCM, we're committed to living lives of complete obedience to God. This is who we're called to be. So we sense his love compelling us to worship him wholeheartedly. But more than that, we will reach beyond our walls to welcome the outsider, the broken, the lost, the hopeless. Our work to bring hope to others through the person of Jesus Christ will make us relevant invaluable in our community. And this morning, in the, in the 9 and 10.30 services, we talked a lot about what that means to be relevant and valuable. Uh, on July 1st, 2018, is my first Sunday here as your lead pastor. And on that particular morning, uh, I used a, a sermon illustration, uh, one that among the staff we still talk about a little bit. A couple of them remembered that day. Uh, I don't expect anyone to remember. I can't remember uh, the sermons I preach sometimes. But I began that Sunday with the illustration of the Olympics, and it's coming again. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, But in the Olympics, one of my favorite events in the track and field is the relay race. And in the relay race, it's not always the fastest team that wins the race. 
In fact, oftentimes there's a history with our United States relay teams where oftentimes they would have been, they should have been uh, the, the gold medal favorites, but uh, the baton was dropped, right? The first person ran a great leg, the fastest leg. The second person did their part, but somewhere along the way, the baton was dropped from one person to another. And so uh, on July 1st, 2018, I, I used a phrase that I began that said, the mission continues. And, and what I said is we are a part here now today of a story. It's a story that's been written for us, but it's a story that God is continuing to write. And some of us have gotten to be a part of the past legs of the relay race. And you ran hard and you did your thing and you were a part and you're still a part of us. But some of us weren't. And it doesn't matter how long you've been running the race whether you're brand new and just showed up, the reality is we're all called and invited to run the next leg of the race, of the journey that God has for us, because his mission continues. And somewhat accidentally, for the first few months, uh, I had this baton in uh, my book bag. It actually belongs to Kevin Griffin, but then he moved, so I never could return it to him. Uh, I probably should bring it back to Eastern Mennonite University. Uh, my apologies. But for a few months, just on accident, I kept it, and now very intentionally... My bag that I bring me everywhere I go keeps this baton with me. Why? Because the mission continues. That's what tonight's about. And so as a leadership team, based on the statement that you had on the screen, we began to talk and pray about what is our mission? This is not kind of doing away with the mission that's gotten us to where we are, but what does it mean for us in 2020? What is the mission that God's calling us to and how do we articulate that mission? We're so grateful for what's gotten us to where we are, but we know, we believe God is calling us to articulate this mission in a new way. And so the past six to eight months as a, as a staff, we've been through a process to get us to a statement. Now, mission statements are really exciting for people like me that are involved in leading the church and a part of that. Some of you like mission statements are like, huh, but, but why is this important? Because time after time, day after day, week after week, we're going to continue to come back to this and talk about who are we called to be for such a time as this. And so this mission statement is not just a statement that we put on a wall. It guides us. It directs us. It leads us by God's word. And so tonight I want to introduce that statement to you. It will be on the screen that we are, we are called as one church to be transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. This is our mission. This is our call. This is who we are and what we're about, that we are transformed by God. We believe in the transforming work of God so that we can bring hope to others through the person of Jesus Christ. We have it in Spanish because, by the way, we're one church. Did you know that? Did you know that? That we're one church and every Sunday at 9 and 1030 we worship in English. But, man, at the third service every week, they throw it down in Spanish because we believe we're not separate churches just kind of using the same building. We're one church called to reach our community, which, by the way, our community is very diverse, and we, we've got to be faithful in reaching that community. And so we believe in this mission, too, uh, not just in English, but in Spanish. Put it back up there in Spanish. I'm going to do my best right now. Ready? Here we go. Transformados por Dios para traer esperanza a otros a través de Cristo. Amen. Amen. Some of you are clapping and you don't know Spanish, so you probably wouldn't be clapping. The people that know Spanish are like, oh, it's like, that was cute. I'm working on it, all right? But we're one church, and we believe God's given us one mission together as one church. So what does that mean? Let me talk a little bit more about that, right? What does it mean to be transformed by God? We really believe that that is the power of God at work in us, but it really is about us completely obeying God, complete obedience to his will for our lives. Whatever he wants, we believe in a call uh, to complete obedience to him. 
We believe that our God is still in the business of transforming lives. We don't just read that in God's word and say, oh, that's cool that that happened. Then we actually believe God is still in the business of transforming lives. Amen? This is what we're about. This is who we're called to be. People that have experienced his transformation and people that believe in faith, God is still in the business of transforming lives. And so because of that, we believe we're transformed by God, but also to bring hope to others, that we are called beyond ourselves. And that's always a little painful. That's always a little risky. That's always a little bit like, ooh, I don't know, because being called beyond ourselves means we can't play it safe. But lost and broken and hurting people matter to God, so they have to matter to us. Our heart, right? Our heart breaks for the things that breaks the heart of God. That, that we don't get to pick and choose, but, but we believe when we're transformed by God that, that he compels us. He calls us. His love compels us to bring hope to others. And so because of that, we care about hungry people. We care about forgotten people. We care about people that are ignored. We care about lost people. We care about those that are pushed to the margins. This is our mission. This is what we are about. Not just today, not just in this moment, but in the days to come. And I believe, I believe we haven't even scratched the surface yet of what God is calling us to do as he aligns us with new mission. So we want you to begin to make this personal in your life. This is not just a slogan and a statement, rah, 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 let's go. We actually want to invite you to begin to take this statement home and make it a part of your daily life. And so tonight, as you leave, we have some baskets here at the front, and we simply have that mission statement, and it's a magnet, so put it somewhere. But, you know, on your fridge, if you're not a refrigerator magnet kind of family, I understand that, you know, it's got to be pristine and not have stuff on it. But I just want to invite you to put this statement somewhere in your home. We have it in English. We have it in Spanish. But begin to pray and ask the Lord to make this mission not just something I talk about, not just something that I believe in, but something that we collectively as the body of Christ believe in and are called to live out. So as you leave today, uh, that's a small token, a gift for you. Hey, I want to do some celebrating for a minute. Uh, if you know me well, you know I like to do that. But uh, I've got some dates that are going to be up on the screen, and those dates may not mean anything to you. Uh, but, but I want to celebrate a little bit of our history and our story, because each and every one of us tonight are part of the story. You may not feel like you are. You're like, well, I just showed up today, and I don't know. But you are a part of the story, of God's story that he's writing through this church and so if you would like a more complete timeline, all that, it's back on the Vision Night table. But let me tell you a little bit of our story, of our history. In 1951, this church was founded, this church was formed because of prayerful people in the Shenandoah Valley that believed in Harrisonburg, we needed a church in the Nazarene. And so it was formed, and in 1952, land was purchased on Roosevelt Street. Sometimes, if you're around here long enough, you'll hear about the Roosevelt Street days. That's what they're talking about. <laughs> And uh, through the 60s and 70s, the church experienced growth and built onto the building a little bit. But in the 1990s, specifically, uh, Harrisonburg First Church in Nazarene had experienced some hard days, some challenging days. And in 1994, Pastor Kerry Willis came to be the pastor and uh, began to pray and began to ask God to lead. And in those days, God began to grow the church, not just in number. <laughs> But in fruit, God was doing real work. He was transforming lives. And so quickly the church began to grow and realized that they were outgrowing their spot there on Roosevelt Street. So in 1995, the place that you're sitting right now was just a field. And it was purchased for not much money, by the way. 12 acres of land on the corner of Port Republic and Boyers Road. 
1999, the room in which you're sitting, uh, the first worship service was held right here in this room. 514 people showed up on that day for the first, very first gathering in this building. Some of you were there on that day. If you're here in the room, would you just stand so we could celebrate? Uh, You've kept showing up all the way since 1999. Thank you. We celebrate you tonight. That's pretty cool. Thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. You keep showing up. We're grateful. Uh, Also in 1999, as this building began, we started Kids Harbor because we really felt like in our community we needed a way uh, to minister. And that was a big need in our community is after school care. And so what began with just a few kids at after school has now grown to 175 kids each and every week down the halls of Kids Harbor. We're making a real impact in our community. In 2005... The church was continuing to experience growth beyond just this half of the building, this room, literally. And so uh, a building fund began, and then uh, in 2003 it began, and in 2005 it was completed. And so the second half of this building, everything beyond these doors, was completed in 2005. Also in 2005, we began services to reach the Hispanic-speaking population in our community. We began to realize that God has not called us just to reach those that look like us and talk like us, but he's called us to reach everyone. The gospel is for all, and so we began uh, some services uh, to specifically reach Spanish-speaking congregation uh, here among us, one church, many people. And so I'm going to invite my brothers and sisters from Esperanza Viva. Some of you are here tonight. Would you stand We want to greet you. We want to welcome you. There you are. There's some of you in the room. Thank you for being here. We love you. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. We'll celebrate you more in a minute, but we're grateful. God's called us to be one church. 2006, Hope Distributed was formed out of a closet, literally, in an idea. Let's bring hope to others. Let's find a way to meet tangible needs in our community. Fast forward 2016 and 2017, Hope Distributed was growing many, many times and now built a new building on our facility. This year, they have fed one million pounds of food in our community to bring hope to others. In 2017, Celebrate Recovery launched at our church to help bring hope to others, and that brings us to where we are today. Today, we've experienced God doing remarkable things among us, but we believe we're still called to reach lost people. We're still called to make disciples. This year, we will pay off our mortgage on this location, the result of so many people. That's right. (laughs) That's awesome. So many, many, many people, more than I know, who have sacrificed to make that possible. And here's what we believe is true. We believe there has never been a more important time For us to be the church than today. I love that stuff. I love celebrating that stuff. But I I believe in 2020, God's not done. He hasn't run out of ink on the story he's writing. We don't get to the end of the story and say, well, I guess that's it. I believe, I said this this morning, there's no substitute for the church being the church. And so because of that, I believe God is inviting us to new chapters together as a church. Here's a reality for us. Here's a reality for us. Statistics say that 94% of churches in America are losing ground compared to the growth rate of their communities. In other words, if you were to take 100 churches, out of every 100 churches, 94 of them aren't even experiencing the growth to match the growth rate of their community. 
And while we have experienced incredible growth over the story and history of our church, if you were to look about the last 10, 12 years of our church, that would probably be true of us. Now, I I believe, and I, I really do believe this, the most important thing about a church is not how many butts are in the seats on a Sunday morning. That's not the most important thing. But we do believe God has called us to be faithful, and we do believe God has called us to be fruitful. And so uh, we began as a staff and leadership over the past many years to just have a burden. What is the next chapter that God's calling us to? We're grateful for each and every person that would show up here, but we just believe God's not done using us to reach lost people in this community. And so what does that look like as we move forward? Uh, You'll know that that we selected kind of a word for the year, a word to kind of help us focus, bring us back. This word certainly is in alignment with our mission statement, but that word is go. Got it for you on the screen, and I've got it, not just in English, but Spanish. That mas allá means beyond. And so it's this idea reminding us, right, that we're one church, we're one church, but we're called to go. And so this year, we're really leaning into that idea. And if I can be honest, I don't think we totally know yet what this is going to mean for us in this coming year. We have some ideas. We have some good plans. We have some things I'm going to share with you tonight and in the future, and I'm excited about. But I believe as we as a church have the courage to really pray, God, what what would you have us do? Where would you have us go? What would you, kind of that that let's go prayer uh, of Jesus. I believe that he has so many doors that he wants to open for us as a church. But tonight I really want to begin, uh, I want to speak to everybody in the room. And so we've gathered together today from all three services, English, Spanish. And so for a minute, for a minute, I want to talk to my brothers and sisters that gather so faithfully in the third service. You don't see as much of me because Pastor Sam gives incredible leadership uh, to you and to our people. And we're one church. Pastor Sam and I have had great unity in these days talking about what uh, is ahead. But I want to talk to you a little bit about what that word go means, I think, for you. Admittedly, for the, past, the last 20 minutes or so of what I'm going to say has a lot to do with what God's doing in the English congregation. And so, but I, I want to acknowledge you tonight, and I want to celebrate you, and I also want uh, to, to be challenged together in what God's asking you to do. One of the biggest barriers we've experienced in the third service, year after year, over the last however many years, is, is we'll see growth and we'll see new people come to Christ, but we can never seem to get beyond the barrier of 200 people. Now, can I tell you how awesome it is that there are so many weeks in this room at 11.45 worshiping God in Spanish? I often say that's the language of heaven because I just think it's going to be. But, but, but how awesome is it that, that almost 200 people are in this room week after week? Like, that's awesome. And we celebrate that. But, but Pastor Sam, as we've been praying, we, we want to continue to reach lost people. And we believe God's given us a vision that, that he wants us to continue to be faithful. And so we, you've been praying. The, the leadership has been praying about how, what it would mean for us to go beyond, uh, to, to be obedient. And so you've identified barriers. You've restructured leadership and volunteers uh, together as a team. And now you're focusing on execution and reaching new people. Raising new leaders, retaining some of the people that are coming. And I want you to know, as your pastor, that I'm anticipating in this new year that this is going to happen. I'm anticipating God using you in powerful ways to reach our community. You will be a part of reaching our community that I will not be able to reach. 
And so because of that, I want you to know that we're relying on you and we're anticipating incredible things as this year we partner together as one church. One specific goal that we've talked about in this coming year, Pastor Sam and I have met and we've prayed and we, we want to see the Sunday morning attendance in the third service average, average 210 by December 2020. And so we're praying this year and we believe God is going to be up to something good. So some of you are in the room and you're not a part of the third service often. But man, wouldn't it be cool as we gather here on Sunday that you would remember, let's be praying. Let's be, as you greet each other in the hallway, wouldn't it be good if you gave more hugs and high fives and, and just realize we're one church. And God's given us a, a mission that's way beyond our, our mission field, our language. God's given us a, a, a vision way beyond that. And so I'm just so grateful tonight to be a part of one church. If you're here tonight and you say, man, I'm going to be faithful in praying for the work that God's doing, not just in English here but in Spanish, would you just, would you just give an applause and say, yeah, I want to do it. I want to pray. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to close tonight with three specific, uh, three specific challenges, and these are challenges for all of us, for all of us, no matter what language we speak. But for the next few minutes, and really the bulk of the rest of the time I have, I want to talk to you about one specific area of vision that God has given us as we respond to his call to go, as we answer his call to be transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. So, so there's a risk with what I'm about to tell you that you think this is the only thing going on. And this is the only thing that matters and the only thing that we're excited about. And that's just, that couldn't be more uh, farther from the truth. But it is exciting and it is big. And it is something that I know God is calling us to. You see, God has been giving us for the past several years favor in the community of Elkton. One of my favorite things about the church is that we gather here, but then we go and we're commissioned. And so we're in our communities and in our homes and in our workplaces. And one of our, our life groups that gathers in Elkton, God really began to give them favor as they reached out and blessed. And, and part of what I'm going to share with you is really cool because you can see God's favor. But part of it is really cool because just listen to what one life group got to be a part of. Now, we have 30, 40 different life groups that gather in our community and beyond. So just imagine if God could do this in one life group, what he could do through all of our life groups that are extending throughout our community. But this life group that gathered together, they, they've done so many things in the community. They've, they've blessed uh, several elderly couples and families and widows in their uh, community by repairing drywall and doing yard work and painting the inside of a house. They rebuilt a porch and a roof that had collapsed and also stocked a disabled woman. They stocked her fridge and pantry just the way they were being tangible in that community. And then as people started to take notice, God began to open other doors and give them other opportunities. For the past three years, our church has been invited to partner with the town of Elkton at their Christmas tree lighting event. And by partner, they don't just mean come up and, and hand cookies like they sing about Jesus. <laughs> they tell people about Jesus. They say, hey, this is my church. You should come. And, and the town's like, yeah, please come do that, right? And so for three years, they've been a part of doing that, reaching hundreds and hundreds of people. For the past two years, uh, they were invited to come and be a part of a cruising event where we came and we partnered with the town, but we were actually able to minister to children and families. We were actually able to preach the gospel there in the community center in the middle of Elkton. And during that two-year stretch, we had 47 different children come to Christ, begin a relationship with Christ with their moms and dads right there in the room. This past year, this life group had this crazy idea like, what if we, what if we help feed hungry people? 
And so they just, they had no money. I mean, literally, that we, we had a little bit of money from the church, but they just went and they got sponsorships. And so they had a big dinner and they fed 255 people and gave 200 boxes of food for them to take home, just trying to meet tangible needs in their community. And through it all, man, we were paying attention. God was opening doors. And the favor we were experiencing there was just not normal. Specifically, I think about Wayne's story. Wayne may be in the room tonight. I don't know. When I first met him, I was really excited to meet him because he was the mayor of Elkton. And I said, this guy's letting us come and be a part of his event, so I want to shake his hand. But I got really excited when Wayne showed up three weeks later and sat right in this row in a church service. Recently, uh, Wayne, who's no longer the mayor there but still actively attends and is a part of our church, he said this, I want you to know how much Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene has meant to me and to this community. But first and most importantly, God has used you in the church to restore my faith in Christ. You see, we thought we were coming to partner with the town and the community, but God said, no, 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 I've got the mayor on my mind. <laughs> Man, Dolores, Dolores is another who serves on the community development board in Elkton, and she said this, may God continue to bless you so that you will be able to continue the good work that you're doing here in this community. You have created an amazing partnership with this town, and for that we are forever grateful you have brought so much joy to staff and residents of this community. We can't wait for this partnership to continue. I give thanks to God for you. So many more testimonies, so many more stories of people's lives that are being impacted as we were just obedient. And I say we as, as one life group living in that community just began to ask what else can we do to make an impact. And so over the past year specifically, our church our leadership together with church board, we've been asking the Lord what he wants us to do. And tonight is the first step, I believe, in fulfilling God's call for us to plant a new campus in East Rockingham County. So I, I want to tell you a little bit about what this means. Yeah, that's good news. <laughs> I, I want to tell you a little bit about what this means because you may have questions and that's okay. Uh, what is a campus? Well, a campus is a church. But it's a church that's an extension of the other campuses it's connected with. And so what I'm saying is we aren't just seeking to plant a church, a random church, in the middle of Elkton, East Rockingham County. We are seeking to plant an extension of our church within this community. I have a picture on the screen. It's not a great picture. Uh, it came from my Google Maps uh, tracking. But I want you to see a picture because really tonight there's two questions that we're going to ask. In relation to this specific step that God is giving us, the first question is kind of why this? And so I want to show you a picture, and I know you can't see it super well from where you're sitting, but right there in the middle, there's a small little heart. That's you right now where you're sitting, because I love you. Uh, that's you right there in the middle. That's us where we've gathered tonight at this campus, right, at this location. And I put some dots kind of out there. You can see the red kind of highlight all the way around the map is Rockingham County. It actually extends off the map there. But you can see some points there off to the right. Uh, one of them is Elkton, which we've talked about. To the north of that is Shenandoah. To the east of that is McGackiesville and Massanutten. And one of the things we felt really clear in these days is God is inviting us to be a part of seeing his work come in, into this community. We felt, as we prayed, we really felt like uh, there was a need, there was an opportunity for a church in this community, in this region, in this area that, that's speaking truth, 
that's engaging the community, that's bringing real hope. We don't think we're the only church in that area, and we're not going to come kick down the door and act like we are, but we believe God has given us favor and permission and is even inviting us to come and answer his call in East Rockingham County. So I show you that picture to help us answer really two questions, because I think these might be the most two important questions you would ask. Why this? I mean, why, why uh, this idea of a new campus in East Rockingham County? Well, uh, first and foremost, we want to reach lost people. That, that's the number one reason. That There's a lot of other things that we can talk about and be excited about, but the number one reason that we would do this, the number one reason that I would invite you to give up one hour of your Sunday night to come here is we absolutely believe God has called us to reach lost people to make disciples. And uh, several research things I want to share with you from the Barna Group Leadership Network. They say that a time a church is most effective in reaching new people is in its first five years of existence. Now, for a church that's 70 years old, that can sound pretty discouraging to us. But the reality of that research is it's kind of suggesting that every church, every five years, really has to kind of reinvent itself to make sure that it's staying engaged in reaching lost people in their community. And so we believe, we don't believe that this is the only way to reach lost people, but we believe by planning this new campus, it will most effectively reach lost people in its first five years. Also, the research further suggests that 60 to 80% of people that come to a new church location are often unchurched. Man, how cool would that be if next Sunday 60 to 80% of the people in this room were unchurched? That would be awesome. And man, maybe that will happen one day, but we believe this is one way to see that come to fruition. We believe uh, in this idea of a campus because we think we have the ability as a church to partner well and, to, and share resources and have the opportunity through a common mission and vision and values to really make an impact, right, that transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ, not just here, but also in East Rockingham County. Finally, did I mention we want to reach lost people? <laughs> that, that, look, I, I know some would say, well, that's convenient. Because I live closer to there. Now I don't have to drive as far to go to church. I am so excited for you, but that's not the reason we're doing it. Some would say, oh, well, my preference would be to go to a smaller church. And so maybe this will be a smaller campus and I won't feel, man, that's so great that you would feel more comfortable there. But that's not the reason we do this. There's some other great benefits. There's some other great things. But the number one reason that we would answer the call to do this is because we want to reach lost people. The other question is, why now? Why now? Why did you decide in February to hold this meeting? I mean, where was this a year ago? Why can't this wait till? And all I can say is that over the last year plus, as we've been praying, as I've been asking God for clarity, um, it hasn't been until the last six months or so that I feel like God has showed me a timeline for us in this coming year. As he, as he talked to me about this word go, I felt like he implanted in my heart that this would be a year for us to go, to be obedient in our everyday, ordinary life, but also as a church to prepare to go, to be faithful in reaching this community. As I've already said, we're going to pay off our mortgage in this year, and I just sense more than just a financial time, but, but more than that, I sense that it's time for us to write the next chapter that God has for us as a church. And as we've prayed, and as we've sought the Lord, this is the answer that he's given us time and time again. This is a new philosophy, though, right? Because what we're really talking about is instead of one church in one location, we're really talking about being one church in multiple locations. That's exciting, but it's a little complicated. 
And so we're praying. Uh, you may ask questions like, well, what will it be like there? And what will we replicate? And what will be unique? Man, that's a great question. And we're continuing to understand that. We're continuing to spend time researching that. But one thing that will be clear is we want the Sunday morning experience in that campus to be very, very similar to the Sunday morning experience here. We want to be life-giving worship in the teaching content on Sunday morning to be exactly the same. We want it to be an extension of what we're doing here. At the same time, there will be unique things that we're called to do there that we're not called to do here. We're not going to come into a community and just say, well, this is how we've always done it and this is how we have to do it. We're going to learn the needs of that community. We want to reach lost people, and so we're going to see what, what are the needs in lost people's lives, and we're going to begin to craft and structure ministry around that. We absolutely will do some big things together, like VBS and Best Week Ever and things like that, but we absolutely, at that campus, will do some things that we don't do here as we engage this community and reach lost people. I want to talk to you. Uh, just, I'm trying to, to highlight a few things. It's impossible tonight to highlight all the details, and you probably don't want all the information that's in my brain. But some would ask, well, what is the leadership going to look like? I mean, will the pastors just come together and those rock papers? All right, you're weak, you go. You know, uh, well, what is it? How is that going to work? Well, uh, God is already uh, leading in this area, and so we're excited that we'll have uh, some of our staff, some of our specific staff that will be dedicated to that campus. And so while they're a part of our church staff as a whole, and while I'm, I'm the lead pastor of this church, and while we have a board that we answer to, their specific roles and tasks will be helping lead and guide at this campus location. I'm super excited that the two leaders that are going to be a part of this are in the room tonight. So I'm going to introduce you to them. One, you would be a fool if you didn't know that Pastor Terry Wyant Vargo will be a part of this because she has been a part of the life group at Elkton. I'm not insulting you by calling you a fool. If you know Terry, though, you know she uh, eats, breathes, sleeps Elkton. But I'm also going to ask her to stand in a minute, and I'm going to ask Jared Link to stand, who has agreed to be a, a part of helping us pioneer this new work in East Rockingham. So if you guys are in the room, would you stand for a minute? I told him you were in the room, so I hope you are. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. I am so excited because, I, and I'm not, I'm not here to put people on a pedestal, but I just want to tell you, I've gotten to walk uh, with Terry and walk with Jared. I've gotten to watch their lives, and these are two godly people. These are two people that believe and being transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. And they're just normal people like you and me. They, they, they make mistakes, they're not perfect, but, but God is using them and calling them and inviting them. And so I'm so excited about this new campus because I'm so excited about the leadership that God is giving us to reach lost people. What's the goal? The goal is that Super Bowl Sunday 2021, we will experience the launch of our East Rockingham campus or East Rock campus. Some would say, man, that is a long time. Like, we just had the Super Bowl. Like, that's a year away. What is going to take so long? Well, we believe the most important thing, uh, the research has said this time and time again as I've looked, uh, the most important factor in launching a successful, sustainable campus, it's not how much money you have. It's not how many people show up the first Sunday. It's not how cool your sign is or whatever or your location. The number one factor in the success Long-term success of a launch of a campus is how many people are committed to serving at that location. 
And so three months from now, we could find, uh, you know, a place and put up a sign and invite everybody and have a room full of people. But long term, in order for that campus to sustain, there got to be people showing up, not just to, hey, I'll, I'll give some money, I'll show up when I can. I, there's got to be people there serving, committed to see the mission continue in East Rockingham County. And so we believe in faith. We're asking you, the church, over the, this next year, we believe God is going to call 100 people. 100 people, not to just show up, not to just say, well, I'll pray about it. I'll, no, no, we're, we believe God's going to call 100 people to go and say, I will be a part of serving at this new campus. I will be a part of ensuring that the ministry God has called us to as a church will continue in this new mission field. And that's a big vision, and that's going to take a year. And so over this year, we have a very specific process that we'll walk through to help us identify the needs and begin to raise up the people that God will give us to launch this new campus well. Some of you may have questions about funding this. Well, we believe God has uh, given us great leadership. We're meeting with our finance team to talk about, uh, but in the coming weeks, you'll hear more. And we'll, we'll begin talking to you about the vision God's given us to launch this campus. We'll need a startup budget. And it's really cool in some ways that as we pay off the mortgage, God's giving us this opportunity, but, but we absolutely believe God is calling us to do this even if we didn't pay off our mortgage. And so we'll be uh, talking to you, sharing with you vision. So be excited and be ready because I know that we want to give to be a part. So what's next? What's the next step? Well, I asked you to come to Vision Night. <laughs> and so uh, three weeks from tonight, we'll have what we call Vision Sunday. I couldn't think of a better word, so I'm just borrowing the name again, all right? Don't worry. Then we won't have like Vision Monday, Vision Tuesday. So relax. We'll use it one more time and be done for a while, okay? What's Vision Sunday going to be? Um, I I'm going to preach on that Sunday, but then I'm going to invite the entire church. So tonight, I said, man, if you're, if you're committed and you're invested and you feel like this is your church, come. And that doesn't mean that everybody that didn't show up tonight isn't committed and invested, but it just means that you're the first to know. And in some ways, maybe you're leaning in. And some of you are, are really praying, and, and I'm grateful for that. But on Sunday, March 1st, at the 9 and 10.30 service, I'm going to cast vision. And on that Sunday, we're going to begin to ask, are you called to go? Are you willing to pray? Are you willing to just say, God, I don't know, but, but I want to pray. I, I want to find out more. I, I want to be a part. And on that particular Sunday, we're going to begin to invite. So tonight, there's no pressure. <laughs> tonight, you're not being asked to do anything other than to pray. And believe that God is at work. And to believe that God is up to good things among us. But on Vision Sunday, Sunday, March 1st, if none of you show up, I'll know why, right? Because you're like, oh, oh, I'm too nervous. I don't want them to be at. We're going to begin to ask. We're going to not just begin to uh, ask people to go. We're going to begin to ask them to give. And so we're excited to see what God will do in this coming year as we answer his call to go. I want to conclude uh, with three invitations for you. And I'm going to invite Mandy to come. She's going to help us on the piano. We're going to close with a time of communion and prayer. There's a lot of information I've shared. There's a lot more I could share. Uh, it's like drinking from a fire hydrant to do this in a one-hour segment. But please ask questions. Please let us know how we can help bring clarity when we have it. Uh, but more than anything, I just want to invite you to keep journeying over these weeks ahead. We need you. We want you to be leaning in. But as we close, I want to invite you to respond in three ways. First, I absolutely want to invite you to go. And let me explain what that means. What I'm really saying when I ask you to go, when I invite you to go, is I'm, I'm inviting you to be 
who the church is always called to be. I'm inviting you tomorrow morning when you get up and you go to work to be who the church has always been intended to be. I'm inviting you to obey God in every area of your life. I'm inviting you to have the conversation with the neighbor that you don't even like and you don't want to. I'm inviting you to open yourself up to obey God in every part of your life because I believe go... Go is really about obedience. It's really about the posture that says, here I am, Lord, send me. And here's the deal about go. You are never too young to go. Students, some of you are in the room tonight. There's no such thing as a JV team in the church, okay? You are never too young to go. Do you know you're never too old to go? That's good news for some of us in the room, right? Because we feel old and we feel like our time has passed and we've run our lap and it's time to hand off the baton to someone else. But you aren't too old to go. You're not too new to go. Did you know that? That some of you in the room feel new and you're not too new to answer God's call to go. We, we, we plan trips this year to have opportunities to go. But it's not about that. It's not about us structuring every part of your life. You need to pray and you need to obey and you need to do what God tells you to do in this area of what it means to answer his call to go and make disciples. Finally, uh, next I want to invite you to give and relax. The ushers aren't here. <laughs> There's no offering plate coming. Everybody exhale. I didn't invite you here because we want your money. In fact, some of you here tonight, you're members of this church, and as members of this church, you've actually committed to say, I will give. You've signed your name and said, I'm committed to give to make sure that the mission of this church can continue. Some of you are here tonight, and you're not members. You're like, good, I don't have to give. Well, man, I hope, because listen, giving is not really about me. It's not really about church. It's really about our obedience to God. It's really a heart, a posture that says, God, you've given me everything, and I just want to be faithful to give back to you. And so over this next year, I want to invite you to give. You have been doing that, but man, don't quit. Don't stop because we, we believe to do what God's called us to do. We're going to rely on people to give. Tomorrow morning, the mortgage is going to be paid again, and we'll owe $70,000 left on the mortgage on this building. That is a miracle. $4 million it once was. That is a miracle. So some of you have given. Thank you. I want to invite you to consider for this next chapter, would you give? Would you be faithful? Finally, I want to invite you to serve. I want to invite every person tonight in this room to find a place in the local body where they can serve. Many of you are already. Thank you. Many of you are, are it's not about being guilted. It's just finding what are you passionate about? Where is God calling you? And serve. What do you think is going to happen in one year when we send 100 people from this location to serve at the new campus. What, what kind of holes do you think that's going to leave here? What kind of voids do you think that's going to leave here in this location? We need everyone, everyone to find their place in the body and serve. And that's something we can all do. Some, would you serve once a month? Some, would you consider worshiping one service and serving the next? There's so many different ways that we can serve, but every single one of us can find our place and serve to ensure what? That the mission continues. If you have questions about any of these steps in particular, there's an email on the screen. Please reach out. If there's ways we can help you in your going, if there's ways that we can help you in your giving, if there's ways that we can help you in your serving, please reach out. We would love to partner with you in that. You've been sitting for a long time. Would you stand tonight? I promised we were going to end on time, and I promise we will. You still have questions. Great. Keep showing up because maybe some of them will get answered. But tonight is really about introducing you to vision. Tonight is really about remembering that we are one church 
being called in these days to be transformed by God, to bring hope to others through Christ. Tonight is really about believing that God is not done and maybe it's time to take the baton and run another lap. And so we're going to conclude by coming to the table. You don't have to be a member of this church to come to the table, but you do have to want to be in right relationship. And so I just felt like there would not be a better way for us to close a night of vision than being reminded the only reason we're here, the only reason we have hope, the only reason we have the ability to go is because Jesus Christ paid it all for us, that we were sinners, we were hopeless, we were a mess, but he came. He stood in my place and in your place. And because of that tonight, you have great hope. And because of that tonight, your neighborhood and your community has great hope. The schools where you go, they have great hope because Jesus came. And so tonight, I just want to gather around the table. And Mandy is going to lead us in a song. If I was picking a song of the year for 2019, it would be this one. Because it's a song that God really used in my life to challenge me, to shape me, to stretch me. Uh, And so we're going to sing. I would invite you to sing as you come to the table. Some tonight, you might want to kneel at the altar. You might want to kneel at your seat. It's just for a minute before we go on to the next thing. Just pause in this moment and say, God, I will go. Whatever you're asking me to do, whatever it means for my neighborhood and my community and my job, I will go tonight. Maybe you just want to kneel and say, God, I'm going to give. I don't know how. That scares me a little bit, but I want to give. Tonight, maybe you're going to say, God, you're calling me to serve. And I don't know where and I don't know how, but I'm committed tonight. And so before we go tonight, before we eat some ice cream and celebrate and go throughout our week, can we just pause in this moment? Can we just pause and and recognize the presence of God? Father, we thank you that the only reason we're here, the only reason we know how to love is because Christ first loved us. And so tonight we can come to the table. Look at that. We're one church coming to the table, one table of our Lord. There's incredible power in that tonight, that all are invited. Oh, some of them that have been, been, you've been coming for 20 plus years. You're invited to the table for the one that came in the room that felt like they were an outsider. Yeah, you're invited too. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Give us a vision for your church. Give us a vision for lost people. Give us a vision for those that are far from you that could be invited to come near. We love you. As we come to the table, we come with gratitude. We don't come out of obligation. We don't come out of duty. We come out of an act of worship. And we say thank you. So tonight, as you sing, as you pray, as some of us kneel, you're welcome to the table. Amen. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at for any questions about our church. We have two gatherings every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and a third gathering at 11.45 in Spanish. Celebrate Recovery also meets here each and every Monday night at 6 p.m. We're at 1871 Boyers Road in Rockingham, Virginia, and we would love for you to join us. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.